Greetings, friends and faithful listeners. Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Calcaterra. We're living in some crazy times right now, so I figured it's nice to take a little break, take an hour or two away, and uh, you know, focus on some nostalgia. And I'm honored today to, uh, with this episode, to bring you the legendary Steve Barry. And I know some may say, yes, yeah, Steve Barry, don't stop believing, wheel in the sky, that 1982 solo classic, Oh Sherry. Well, that's Steve Perry, but uh, if, if anybody has his information, would love to chat with him. I know uh, Steve Barry and I talked about Journey at one point, taking a boat ride, uh, you know, on the lake and uh, chatting about, uh, you know, Arnell Pineda, the uh, the current singer of Journey, who uh, who sounds a lot like Steve Perry. But yeah, Steve Barry, Steve Barry is a legendary educator from my alma mater, Hazelwood Central High School. And it was really cool recently, you know, with the um, with the situation of, of Corona, COVID, whatever you want to call it. Uh, my old friend Larry Cooley set up um, set up a Facebook page called the Hawks Nest. And it was really cool just to uh, relive some of these memories. I mean, there were so many elements that I had forgotten about. Um, so many things. Seeing these posts really sparked something. As well as uh, I found. You know, in the process of, of reorganizing my house or you know, organizing the first time, 12 years, taking too long to do that, found a bunch of old VHS tapes and been, have been digitizing those. There was a lot of a lot of footage from the theater group, old plays, just, you know, just a lot of memories. And it was like going through a time machine. So Larry starts this page and I'm seeing you know, all these posts, you know, a lot of old friends, people who maybe, you know, I've been connected with to, um, you know, on Facebook, but it was, just, it was just this magic, you know, a lot of great energy, really nice to, you know, have at the time when we're facing, you know, period of, of isolation. And so Steve Barry puts a post, you know, I started in Hazelwood Central in 1988, blah, blah, you know, his history. And I uh, hadn't talked to him in a while. He's been on my list for the podcast. And I figured, you know what, now is the time. And uh, it was just, I, I say legendary. This post, his post had, I mean, five, 500 comments and people from all walks, not just those who, you know, were heavy into theater, but a lot of athletes. He coached basketball at one time and he was one who really transcended his department. He, he was he was one of those educators who talked to a lot of students in the halls and his his, um, his classroom, the theater was connected to the cafeteria. So he was outside the class you know, before and after classes and just interacted with a lot of different students. And just um, just one of those teachers that a lot of people, even if they didn't have him in a class, they knew of him. So when I say legendary, uh, that's part of it, as well as just one of those teachers who you just never forget. Uh, you know, I feel my life was heavily enriched by having him as a teacher. Uh, I learned a lot, stagecraft and acting and just a lot of great opportunities and our interactions in the theater. And he's, he's one of those educators that sacrificed a lot for the students. Uh, you know, a lot of time to put into these plays, whether he was the technical director or the director and just everything that he did for us, it just went above and beyond. And it definitely, uh, I think he probably made about $2 an hour if he calculated the actual time that he spent. So I'm just really grateful and just can't thank him enough for, um, just the great memories and just everything that he he had did for me back in those days, and it was just wonderful to connect. Um, speaking of connections through the uh, through the old Facebook, um, I ran into another friend recently who I hadn't seen for years, uh, a good friend of mine from college, Mo Kadada, 
And uh, he started up a restaurant called American Falafel. So I, I stopped over and, uh, you know, visited. I hadn't seen him in years and uh, had a great meal. Talked to him about sponsoring the podcast, and here he is. Uh, he's now a new sponsor, and uh, you can check out American Falafel at uh, AmericanFalafel.com. And he's uh, located in the U-City Loop. Uh, he's uh, just east of the Tivoli, and we're, since we're talking about, you know, legendary theaters. And uh, just featuring, you know, his menu features family recipes from uh, the country of Jordan. In fact, the chef he's, uh, he's brought over is from Jordan, and it was just a great experience. Open kitchen layout, um, you, you watch the food being made fresh, uh, just an amazing experience, great meal. So I can't thank him enough for jumping on as a sponsor. Check him out, he'll cater, um, give him a call. So good catch up with my old friend there and, and enjoy a great meal. I want to give a special shout out to my old friend and conversations with Calcaterra alum Corey Stoltz. Check out his episode don't know what number it was, but you can find that on my website, KenCalcaterra.com. Corey authored an amazing book on the sketch comedy group, The State. And Steve and I mentioned Corey, and I have nothing but great things to say about his book. But during the conversation, I could not remember the title, nor the, <laughs> nor the state. And it was just one of those brain freeze moments. So giving Corey a special shout out here, letting him know. Hopefully he he, uh, he forgives me, but uh, check out his book. It is amazing. I could not put it down. I love doing the research for his episode and talking to him about his his journey in writing it. And um, you can find out more about Corey at CoreyStolz.com. So uh, super proud of my old friend and um, check out his work. Good stuff. Good stuff. Also, uh, Dr. Mark Holland, an, another friend from back in the day and a Hazelwood Central alum. And uh, Dr. Holland has been working on working tirelessly at his new office in Alton, Illinois. He's a chiropractor with multiple locations in the St. Louis area, has um, many great colleagues, has a location in St. Charles, Wildwood, downtown, and uh, North County back in the old neighborhood. During the stay-at-home period, I wasn't exercising uh, as I had before. Uh, some walks, you know, good good walks. Not as much. I haven't practiced yoga in a while. But now I'm back on my bicycle, feeling great. It's great to get those miles in. little different, um, you know, the posture on the bike. Um, you know, my back is feeling a little off, so I need to set up an appointment with Dr. Holland. If you're in need of an adjustment, uh, if there's a car accident, any anything like that, check out Dr. Mark Holland, and he would be happy to uh, give you a consult and uh, help you out. I had a wonderful time catching up with Steve, talking about a myriad of topics. We recorded two hours for the podcast. This is part one. Part two will come out in about a week or so. Just going to assemble that. Uh, had a, just, it, was, it was an amazing experience. We, uh, we mentioned many names from the, from the past, from our theater group, educators, students. Um, a, a lot of people have gone on to do great things. Uh, many names that we didn't mention would love for everyone to interact. Um, the two main places where there's comments are SoundCloud and KenCalcaterra.com. Podcast is found there. Would love for everyone to chime in. Um, you know, there's just, just so many years have gone by. It's hard to remember everybody, but, um, would love to hear from everyone and, uh, hear what everybody's doing these days. Um, just, uh, you know, different theater experiences. Maybe at some point we can do a big group podcast, where, uh, you know, we have a myriad of voices. Um, 
it was a good time. Good time. So you can find me at KenCalcaterra.com. Want to give a special shout out to my buddy Ben Sturgill. The opening song is titled Stairway to Heaven. It's a song I uh, executive produced. And Ben's just an amazing talent. He can be found on Spotify. I'll put some links to his music on the show page. And just uh, thanks to him for you know allowing me to use his music on the show. And uh, just reminds me when I thought of Stairway to Heaven, just a stairway up to the catwalk in the theater, which many say is haunted. And uh, it just reminded me of that. And the vibe of the song just, uh, just really uh, illustrates some of the feelings that I've had, just the fun that we had in those days. It was really just a, a special time in my life. Many great friends who I still interact with today. And, um, yeah, that's all I really have to say about that. Enjoy the conversation. Here he is, the legendary educator, Mr. Steve Barry. So when I called you the other day, I, yeah, still the force of habit. I've always known you as Mr. Barry. So now it's, now do you prefer Steve or Steven? Oh, Steve. Okay. Steve, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Are you going now? Yeah, yeah. I start okay. rolling. You know, we'll get a little spontaneous. I think the production people and all the theater people in the past will appreciate the non-formal approach. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Real funny you mentioned, you know, the whole Stephen, Steve, Mr. Barry thing, because uh, without trying to jump too far ahead or anything, but a quick story about that. So back in the day when I was working out at what was originally Riverport Amphitheater, and I still call it Riverport. I, so do I. So do I. Um, but in its infancy, uh, it was only a couple of years in, I think, and um, uh, Garth Brooks was coming to town, and it was his No Fences tour. And so he was literally on the upswing, you know, and becoming bigger. But anyway, while he was out on the road, they kept adding elements in and making the production larger and larger. And so by the time they were ready to come to Riverport, um, Lynn Vogt, who has become a, a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, who owns the labor company Clancy Staging, um, said, man, I got to get more more manpower, more manpower. And he knew that I was in education. And and he asked, well, what about, do you, do you have some good, reliable students, you think, or some teacher friends who might want to come out and help with this production? And so um, really long story short, I ended up bringing like 20 to 30 people out. Um, and several of them were, most of them were students. And so when we're out there, um, you know, he says, all right, so here's, here's my, I said, here's my group of guys, you know, what do they need to do? They know the stage directions. They know all that stuff. And, and one of them said, Hey, Mr. Barry. And, and so then you know how it is when you work with, <laughs> with guys who like to give each other a lot of trouble. And so Mr. Barry, and all of a sudden all the stage hands, for years called me Mr. Barry and wouldn't call me Steve because of that one student. So that's funny. Yeah, Steve in the world is Oh yeah. yeah. Just like the, the world of film and television, you get your grips and you know, you have salt of the earth people. These technicians are really good oh. at what they do and it, yeah, definitely you get a, yeah. get a lot of grief. And there's a brotherhood oh, absolutely. that's in there that gives them the uh right to have full opportunity of harassment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's a cool so, thing. It's yeah, a good thing. It was fun. Yeah, so. yeah I remember the, at that point, I had no idea who Garth Brooks was until your class. And I think that, that might have been freshman year. I think that was what, uh, so I, well, I started 89 at Central. Would, would have been after that because Riverport opened in 91. Okay. 
So would have been either 91 or 92. So then that was, and I took stagecraft a few years later. So then it must've been that, that Probably era. Was. Cause I remember you talking about Garth Brooks and then you, you were playing, you know, I got friends and low places. And that was like, I had never heard that song. <laughs> and so that was like big for us. It was like almost the anthem for the theater group at that time. I, I think I'm pretty much responsible for Garth's. I think so. Uh, yeah. You know, popularity. Yeah, at least for the, you know, the St. Louis fans. Yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, and he's, he's an interesting story as well, it's as far as it got big, and then he t- took a lot of time off to raise his family. Yeah. And it's, uh, a buddy of mine has a place called the Listening Room Cafe in Nashville, and I know Garth has played there a couple of times. Oh, if you ever okay. get down there, check it out. So. Yeah, well, everybody hears about spot. Bluebird Cafe. Yeah, yeah. You know, Bluebird Cafe. Yeah, I haven't heard about that one. So. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty new. I mean, he's been in business, I think, uh, about 10 years now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've, I've discovered a lot of musicians down there and it's just been, that was like my home away from home. When I go down to Nashville, I just, you know, I'd spend time sitting, you know, if I had work to do, I'd just bring a laptop and sit at the bar and listen to great music. And mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't, been, I haven't been in a while. He has a new location and I've yet to get down there. So I'm a little behind good. on that. But yeah, if yeah. you guys ever get down there, check it out. We'll it's do a good it. spot. Yeah. So yeah, so you started... Um, so Hazelwood Central was your first opportunity to teach? Yeah, I graduated college in 88 and put out, uh, well, I put out about a half a dozen letters of resumes. My parents, who had taken care of my education, put out hundreds of resumes. <laughs> well, he's out of school. We didn't think that was going to happen. Now we've got to get him a job, you know, so... Um, anyway, with my mom's guidance and help, we put we canvassed the state, and I was fortunate enough, for sure. The word "fortunate" is is correct. Blessed um, to have Hazelwood Central respond, and at that time ask for um, me to come down for an interview. At that time, uh, I was actually living in Springfield, Missouri, in a house with five other guys, with a, a small band called Covenant. And um, we're out doing summer gigs and, and doing the thing. And I was running sound for them. We didn't have any light rigs or anything, just doing sound work. And back then it just wasn't feasible for now. Now you have these LED rigs and everybody can have a, you know, have a world-class show. If, right. You know, right. for four or five grand, you can have some great. Yeah. 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 Technology, what it's done to to just renov- renovate the landscape of uh, performance is, is incredible but anyway so uh, so it worked out to where I was able to come into into Hazelwood and St. Louis and and uh, I did the interview and I think about two days later I got a call from Human Resources and they uh, offered me the position and it didn't take me but about 45 seconds to take it you know I <laughs> and uh as they say, the rest is history. Yeah, I'm glad you did. I mean, so, it was, that was, coming from junior high, I think, in a lot, still, middle school and, and kids' lives is that weird point in time. And then coming into high school. And, and I knew I wanted to do something in the arts, so that was, you know, right away, it was like, I'm taking theater, you know, first freshman year. And it yeah. was, you know, that was such a great decision. Probably one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. Yeah, well, I was fortunate, too, not only because I was able to get uh, a job in theater education, but the foundation had been laid. So I walked in and I was second to another person full time in theater, um, Rich Pizarkowitz. And 
if that name's familiar to anyone besides Rich, I mean, his brother Steve was the quarterback out at uh, Mizzou and then went on to play for the St. Louis Cardinals before they moved on um, out of St. Louis. But anyway, um, Rich Pizarkowitz was a professional and an avid performer professionally beyond theater education, um, worked and still works around Muni and stages in the area and takes a lot of roles. And um, so he, he was huge, be, not only because he was a mentor for me in the one year that we were together while I was there, but he had set up the foundation for um, – the opportunity for me to come in and try to understand and then build on um, what he had already started. And then not only to have him for that year as a mentor, but then he went over to Hazelwood West as a department chairperson. Um, and so our paths were intertwined. And so I had a couple more years where I was able to go to him for advice and it's wonderful to have a mentor so, oh you gotta yeah definitely yeah. i mean it's starting out in that and that that's one you know i've had people give me advice but never really had that that like at a loss of words but yeah that one person that just takes you under their wing uh, so i've learned a lot on my own which is it's been good but uh you know those growing pains and they you know sometimes that's you know i try to be that mentor for people just because i know i've made these mistakes they're simple mistakes you know i'd rather you learn from my mistakes and then make your own later at a higher level. So that's yeah. kind of like my philosophy with mentorship. Yeah, and he he was great because he allowed me, you know, he gave, we, we disagreed on a lot of things in terms of approach. You know, we both had the same um, desire as an outcome, but we had different ways to get there maybe. Um, and he would allow me to disagree. He would allow me to succeed sometimes maybe to learn something the hard way, but still get to where we wanted to go nice so you know i really have treasured that relationship we still stay in touch we haven't chatted much um but every now and then i'll pick up a phone and give him a call so nice i remember we we took a field trip over to west at one point saw arsenic and old lace when they were when they had that show and i don't know if that was one of his shows or not probably not as a department chair because they also had uh janet haas and uh bob fowler who were the theater personnel at that time. I think Jan may have been doing theater and speech. I'm not sure. Coursework, maybe some English too. And then Bob was full time. But anyway, those, those two were over there and then he went and joined them and being the department chairperson, which is working your way all the way up to middle management. Um, it limits really what you're able to do in terms of, uh, the amount of time it takes to participate in that extracurricular field. Yeah. So, yeah, limits you for sure. Now, after you left Central, did you become a char department chair somewhere? Was that... So, uh, I worked for 11 years, I think it was, and I may get some of this some of this wrong, but it was 11 years in the classroom. And then I was hired uh, to succeed Terry Stratman, that you may know that name from yeah, yeah, I Central. Remember. He was a visual arts teacher, very talented artist. He was the department chairman, um, and he retired. And um, so I uh, was interested in that position and uh, received it. And then I was there for a few years. I want to say four or five. 
And then the principal at that time, uh, Frank Smith, um, came to me and Kenny Green, who was the activities director, uh, retired. And Frank came and said, hey, you need to consider putting in for this position. And there were a lot of great candidates. Probably the person who should have got the job didn't even apply, Coach Pacala, John Pacala. He eventually succeeded me into that position, but he still had the coaching bug. Anyway, uh Frank Smith came to me and said, you ought to consider this position. So I talked to my wife and we had two young kids and, and I have a, a really inherent, uh, n- bad problem <laughs> of committing to something. Uh-huh. And this, this is, I feel like this is probably you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Committing to something and then going to the nth degree and becoming so tunnel visioned that sometimes you lose sight of those other things yeah. around you. Even those, even though they are more important than what you're doing, there's still that sense of, well, I committed to this. I've got to make sure I do it. Yeah. I'm one if I give my Excellent. word. It's like, yeah, this is, and I can't. Even things, ah, maybe I'll keep it a little less to this. I can never do it. No. Because it always, and something that even starts out like the simplest project, it always evolves. And there's always something. something more. Yeah, always. I can I can take it to the next level. If I just do this a little bit mm-hmm. more, I go to another level of excellence, which is always what you're wanting mm-hmm. to achieve, right? So I talked it over with her, and she gave me the okay and approval. We'll give it a try. And, and so then I did that for four or five years at Hazelwood Central. And then there was a defining moment that took place there that um, actually led me to consider leaving because I thought I'd be a lifer at Hazelwood Central. I did because by that year, I was there for, um, let's see, I would have been there 19 years um, from start to a full 19 years before I then um, accepted a position in the Rockwood School District with Lafayette High School um, in the in administrative role as activities director. So, which for me was a great move, but, um, you know, like I said, I, I I thought I'd be a lifer at central. Yeah. So, and you know, the saying once a hawk, always a hawk. So I guess in one sense of the world, I'm still a lifer. Yeah. Well, almost 20 years. That's, I mean, as far as I get you when you're in the military, that's retirement there. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, that's like a full career. So jumping to something else, it's, it's good. It's good for networking purposes. It's good to have a fresh place to be it's good to um yeah it's new people i mean i think that really sparks creativity and and just uh an excitement in a job sometimes you know even when we love a place it's um i don't it can be a little stagnant yeah well the national statistic as at the time was in the first five years i th- I, I think it was um teachers were staying in their first uh position for a it was like one and a half to two years and you had two to three jobs within your first five years of teaching, which some of that's just natural because you work at a school and it was a one year contract and then you got to move on because they didn't rehire Mm -hmm. you or they didn't offer the class or whatever that situation may have been. But a lot of it was, you know, okay, this didn't work out. I got to try something else or do those kind of things. So to go from college to 19 years in one building, you know, I only worked in two in the educational setting. I only worked in two buildings for 29 years before I decided retirement was in everyone's best interest. (laughs) (laughs) So, 
Yeah. And did you yeah. know coming out of college that teaching was what you wanted to do? I knew going into college okay. that um, something performance-based was what I wanted to pursue. Um, and my thought was always that it would probably be education. And that goes to um, some people in my life who invested in me and allowed me to recognize some semblance of a gift in it, I think. Um, and that would be, you know, Tom Prater who actually works at the university of Missouri. Um, I met him when I was in elementary school and he, he did shows on the side for free at the elementary level. We did like a spinoff of a happy days thing, you know, and, and um, then when we got out of Blue Ridge Elementary School, he actually was great friends with a lady named Trish Edwards and her husband, who was a lawyer, Wes Edwards. Um, they invested in the kids at Oakland Junior High like I've, I've never seen before. And we did a couple musicals a year um, on top of other performance based things. So I did the band, which I wasn't great at. Uh, in drums I played the drums and I could read rhythms but I can't read music and you know so I did that and um, I uh, you know one one really quick kind of humorous story to me probably wasn't to her but uh, Mrs. Hill was our teacher she was a sweet lady um, but you know when you got 75 kids in a band room playing a song and you've got all the orchestrations when you look at the charts and drums are down at the bottom. And a lot of times there's 150 measures of rest and three measures of rhythms to play when you're doing percussion and stuff. And so I just kind of start playing <laughs> and you could see her looking around, like looking in the music, trying to find where that was at. I'd stop real quick. <laughs> so anyway, but um, Mrs. Edwards was huge um, in terms of, of supporting and encouraging and then my mom did a lot of stuff with uh church presentations and things and that gave me opportunities in a whole different light in a different space in different ways to um kind of come into my own and then i found uh wonderful success at the high school level with a guy named marty hook who and and uh, mr cowan both of those two invested in and supported and encouraged in a way that's incredible and then able to go on to college and had uh professor smith mr smith he he did the same thing um in a very different way and then uh being able just to find my own way yeah you know because i've always liked the freedom and i think i think differently than most people i think um like in what regard? I, I think um, I think instead of taking steps to get somewhere, I think of the somewhere and then go, okay, so what is it going to take? You know, I, I, I think the bigger picture yeah, before yeah. I do the smaller steps and the small steps don't lead me to where I'm going. I'm thinking that's where I'm going. So how am I going to get and there? Then you build Does that make sense? It. Yeah, it's, it's like good writers. Like it's... Uh, in screenwriting or just in novels as yeah. well know the ending before you, you get there and then that helps you provide those steps i mean d different techniques for different people right but uh, you know i think when you we do that 
then it's something that, that you build to and yeah. those steps or having an outline and, and things of that nature. I think it's helped get vision, there a little easier. Yeah. It's vision first. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's vision first. And then, um, uh, an ability to kind of think outside the box and overcome maybe the, the first or second level of what might be considered, uh, an obstacle mm-hmm. and not letting that deter me from the bigger vision, you know, which Many people will just go, it's not worth it. I'm, I'm done. Sure. But, sure. You know. but, but I think having, looking at that, the influence you, you had had and all those great teachers. And that's one thing I had thought of when I was, when this whole Facebook group uh, that Larry Cooley started, um, mm-hmm. you know, cause sometimes we, we don't often appreciate those things that are in front of us. I think you were one of those teachers that everybody did appreciate. And then I, and I think some of the others maybe, uh, when you look back, you're like, wow, that person had a great influence on my life. And then when we were going through that program, we knew right away that, all right, this, you know, Steve Barry has this great influence on our life. We knew it then. And I, and I think at the point, I mean, history kind of really reveals a lot of things. And at, at that point we were biased because I mean, the theater department there was just such an important part of my life. And it's like, we have the greatest theater department because we're all living it, we're having fun, and looking back, you know, it's like you know, his, history tells us we did. There was, there was so many shows and so many opportunities, and such a great group of people that it's like yeah, that that held up. Yeah, I think I think um, that's a mutual thing. You know, it's kind of you to say that, but uh, you, you know, I can say the same thing about all you guys and the effect that you had on, on me. I mean, it was very mutual. I may have been uh, getting paid. <laughs> and I may have been in, in, you know, that leadership role where I was able to maybe pave some things and, and make some decisions. But ultimately I hope everyone felt like it was a mutual thing and it certainly wasn't because of me. So any, any, any level of, um, appreciation that you guys had towards me, that was mutual, very much mutual. And I, you know, I'm very sincere when I say anything that we did, any successes we did was a group aspect. No no question. Yeah. And I think for good energy as a circle, you know, if you look at, you know, when people like the philosophy of love, when it's a circle and it keeps going around and it keeps being recycled and it keeps that, that energy that that moves forward. I mean, that's what you need because when you hit a wall, so it, it takes all, all that. And we had that, that synergism, just these great, students you know great leadership you, you need all that and looking even though you're getting paid all the extra time you put in i mean there's no we amount of money that, yeah exactly <laughs> i mean if you calculated that you yeah. probably no, the I, wife would probably be like dude no, <laughs> you she, making what five she, bucks an hour uh, or, it was or, lot, or back then it was know? a lot less than that and she yeah. uh she um she never did that she was always very supportive but you know a lot of times she was like hey you know don't forget about us back yeah. here yeah. <laughs> you know at that time i had young children and so uh yeah but it it was good but it, it you're right it was a special time and you know I think there was really four phases and I think you came in at that second phase but for me going in the first phase was um and I'll, I'll I'm going to throw names out there if you don't mind oh, as we absolutely. go along that it is, deserve it but heck yeah <clears throat> you know when I when I first started there was a group of students there who had um been involved and um you know, made a reputation for the theater department under Zark. And, 
you know, like uh, Teresa Dobson. I think she's Teresa Romer now and um, Steve Smith and Sarah Politowski. Yeah, I remember Sarah. And, uh, you know, a lot of those students, um, Kelly Taylor and... Um, yeah, Tom Quintus, he was, I think, in his senior year when I was fre- a freshman. <clears throat> so those people allowed me to come in and they were so welcoming and accepting right so they allowed me to get comfortable and to learn and to go okay here's where we're at and then you were a part of that so here's our next step of setting a foundation a certain level of expectation um, and a desire to strive for excellence right and then I think there was that third foundation and I think we really thrived in that 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 went on for years where we went beyond um, putting on a performance, but we were truly, like you said, we were in a creative, uh, environment that, um, just continued to, to grow and, and expand. Um, and so the foundation laid way to just an, an opportunity to thrive creatively and go beyond I think anyone's expectations. I mean, it, like you said, it, it was good. <laughs> well, so it was amazing. A lot of places you look at, they had their musical and then maybe another show. And we had, I mean, just, I'm trying to get my memory going. It was like we had a couple fall shows. And then at one point, a couple years in, you threw in the dinner theater, which was a blast. And then we did the cabaret at least one or two times. We, and there we was kept all, I mean, there was always there was a lot of shows going on. And then when, when Monica Dickens came in, then there, you know, she was able to uh, have a lot of big shows as well. And there was just, I mean, I can't, some of the, we had so many shows that I, I've forgotten half of them. Yeah. Just, it's been so long and it's like, Oh, I wasn't that. Or I recalled like, Oh, white line of witch in the wardrobe. Okay. I didn't really, I I wasn't in that, but it's like, well, wait a second. I was stage crew. I, I didn't even yeah. remember that. I mean, did, all this other information's in my head now, but yeah. it's nice to look back upon those things. It's and, really cool. And each of them had their, ex, uh, you know, a very specific purpose. Each of them had their own identity. You know, the, the dinner theater versus the fall production versus yeah. the winter production. Usually fall was a little bit larger, maybe, and winter was a little bit smaller. It was a whole different challenge because you had that huge break for the winter break mm-hmm. in the middle. Yeah, yeah. And then... Um, you know, we had the the spring musical, which was a challenge not only because of the the collaboration it took between vocal music and the instrumental music, as well as the theater performance part, but then all the awards that took place with state music solo ensemble festival and working around school dates, which was extremely important. You know, theater wasn't more important than prom or wasn't more important than the dances that were going on or, you know, whatever, and school events that everyone had wanted to participate in. So trying to make sure that we allowed students to be students, but still take ownership of what they're involved with doing cabaret theater, which was, Hey, let's write our own sketches. It was, yeah, it was more, a blast. more skit performance based. And then doing the dinner theater, which was a whole different thing mm-hmm. because we're interacting with all of these people that are just sitting there. It's a much more intimate, smaller crowd. Plus it gave everyone the opportunity to go, Oh, so this is what it's like to, to be in a, uh, even though we only traveled from the F one Oh one room, which was attached to the stage out into the cafeteria, we had to, on the day of the show, clear the space, Mm -hmm. build the production, get it up and be ready to go by five o'clock, you know? So, 
um, that had, and then we added in uh, student. We added in one X that became right. yeah, that yeah. became student directed one X yeah. because um, we got to a point where the students' abilities demanded that they be given the opportunity to showcase and go beyond just performing. But we, you know. Not all students can say they were ready for that. You guys were ready for that. And and I just applaud those people that I worked with from, you know, Monica Dickens, David Fanner was involved oh, with yeah, a lot of yeah. the technical stuff. The tech, yeah. He did a lot of tech stuff. We had uh, Julie Mock, Kathy Kapushiak, Jennifer Melton, um, people that came along during all those years and more than I'm, I'm not even mentioning, but their expertise allowed me to go, Hey, at one time I was like, all right, so Miss Dickens, you're going to do the show. Mr. Fander, you're going to tech direct. I'm actually going to go coach basketball, <laughs> you know? And then after a while it was okay. I'm not going to coach basketball anymore, but you guys keep doing those and I'm going to add in another show over here. So while we got two things going on or overlapping, we can do more and more and more. And then of course what Miss Dickens did with um, imp- uh, improvisation she took us to another level because she really focused on a lot of improvisation. And so we would do improv nights and then we took our club SWT and took it to another level. And all of a sudden we're doing lock-ins and watching movies and playing theater games for 12 hours. You know what I mean? It's just, it's incredible to think about, but it was very cool. Each one of those performances had their own purpose and all led to um, a greater sense of unity and the vision of, of performance and and being creative and and giving people a sense of being a part of it some ownership and all that nice. and so yeah it was a pretty pretty special time and then to see you know social media is more of a recent thing yeah it's yeah. very recent for me because i was never on social i retired in 2017 and i wasn't on facebook until i retired part of that was because as an administrator uh i and in the uh, activities director role, I was responsible for a lot of oversight and sometimes discipline in regard to those yep. things. And I never wanted anyone to criticize, well, you're out on social media yep. looking for things to get on people about. Mm-hmm. That's not my nature. Yeah. And so I, I didn't want that to be an easy criticism. So I didn't even get on Facebook until after I retired. Um, no, that's smart. You have to separate so, those things. Even when I was in college, in residential life and all that, it was, I had a position that was a little bit above the RA, so it was a residential coordinator. Mm-hmm. And then at times the director threw me to do discipline, to, to administer discipline for certain things, which was awkward because these are essentially my peers. Your peers, right. And then of course, you know, I had a military background. I wasn't hardcore or anything, but you know, that changes you. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at, all right, these are the rules, this and that. And then I would lay down whatever penalty that was within, right. the, you know, the, however that was set up at the university, but then yeah. she would be the nice person and like undo what, <laughs> what I did. And I was like, Oh, you're making me look like a jerk. Why do I have to do this? <laughs> And yeah. so, yeah, she and I, uh, at one point it was not the right. best relationship and I didn't know I was still a little immature and didn't know how to deal with that and sit down and talk with her and say, yeah, I'm really uncomfortable. So then yeah. it was this bitterness and that was my Sicilian side came out and <laughs> yeah, it was not good, but, yeah. uh, but it was cool. It was cool being on the ground floor of all that. 
Although now you're talking about the improv games and we, we had some lock-ins where we hung out, but yeah, that all the improv games and everything, we did some of that, but uh, it's but, like, wow, I'm kind of like, whoa. You, but you that's know. that foundation yeah, that, that yeah. you know, when I say those, those phases, you were in that, that foundational phase where it, it was laid, but you solidified, your group helped to solidify and raise the expectation. And then the next group came in and maintained yeah. it and took it to its full extent. That's not to say that you guys couldn't or wouldn't have, but we weren't in as a position as a unit. You know, we those the vision. You guys were those steps yeah. that end up forming to get us. Well, you can't build a house on sand until we just kept going yeah. even stronger. And then that's fantastic. It's good. Know, I'm I'm proud to have been a part of that. Yeah. Well, you should be. You guys, it was special time. I mean, yeah. and that's you know, kind of going back to that social media thing. Part of what I enjoyed have enjoyed most about that is over time and through this latest thing with the hawk's nest posts been able to reconnect with so many students um you know from the students who were just in the class and and experienced maybe an exposure to theater that they wouldn't have had Mm -hmm. without that class just because they needed a fine arts credit versus those who invested Mm -hmm. such as yourself and so many others and then now it's at a phase for me where uh, I'm sitting here and I'm getting in contact with you, sitting here doing this yeah. and seeing in a completely different form, but the artistry that you've taken and what you're doing with it. And I catch up with, you know, all these other people that are doing great things like Craig Taggart, you know, um, California still yeah, performing. Yeah. And I know um, Angela uh, Brooks is dancing in a yeah, dance studio. Yeah, and that's after she had gone and done some stuff with either Bush Gardens or the cruise lines. I think she had done that. Yeah, I think she was in New York for a while as well. And yeah. And there's still Shelly Ebner's in New York now. You know, I don't know what she's pursuing exactly, but I just caught up with her from that nice that thing. And so we've, you know, once every three or four days and, you know, I keep saying, Hey, tell me your story. I want to know what, what you're doing. And so, you know, I can, I can, I could go through and name hundred people that are doing something yeah. artistic. Um, whether it's theater specific or not is is really not relevant it's just that they've gone hey i'm taking this passion and following it which is yeah absolutely and the thing is whether or not you're doing you know that's part of your career and you're making money with it it's it just so much enriches one's life And, and no matter what you're doing improv is so important in speaking so if somebody's in business you know, having those improv skills, which, you know, and I'm doing this podcast and I'm a little rusty and half the time searching for words. It's like, I need to step back in and do some more improv because it's just such a great skill. It's a great skill. And just somebody that maybe is a little bit of an introvert to, to break out. Um, so I had, um, I took some improv classes. Are you familiar with Bill Cott? He, uh, he was a Rittner grad, no. went out to Hollywood or uh, he wrote for Saturday Night Live for a few years. He's been in some movies, uh, he came back here at one point, was teaching some improv classes, wanted to, you know, just keep his gift, wanted to, you know, keep that in St. Louis and and keep um, classes and, and keep some of his talent here. Now he's had a, a child later in life, which if I ever have a child, that's going to be my story as well. <laughs> but uh, so he's, you know, mainly still in L.A. And, and keeping his classes there. But I think he may have. Uh, had an offshoot of his his group i'm just like yeah i'm so my lack of preparation is coming out now <laughs> i'm like what's bills i just get so much going through my head and so yeah. many different people and try to give everybody the love but yeah it's just such an important skill and i knew 
when I went into it that it was like right away I wanted to take that acting one class because I wanted to start learning those things that would carry me through and not wait till my senior year. So yeah, and it's nice. I think we were smart enough um, as an educational staff, um, at least the individuals that I was working with, to go okay. So we're we're going to be sitting in you know twenty five to thirty people per class for five hours a day, one hundred fifty students per semester 300 a year um and of those 300 in that one school year um how many of those are going to want to become professional performers so we wanted to make sure that anyone who decided to do that had the best opportunity and the best principles that uh, we could give them Mm -hmm. to prepare for that but but our our goal knowing who our audience was was to make sure that we gave them some life skills to build upon that they could apply it to whatever it was not theater specific but business whether it be communication mm-hmm. skills whether it be diction articulation whether it be handyman skills through stage design um all of those kind of things it you know yeah we used theater as our forum but we had a bigger picture of if you want to go do it, we're going to have you prepared in this field for that next level. Cause you, I mean, inherently you are, you are somewhat limited by where you're at in high school. Um, I mean, there were certain, certain elements or certain pieces that we couldn't do because we were in high school. There were certain, you know, we had limitations, but I, you pushed that. You, I mean, I think no. we did some things were pretty edgy, you know, it was, <laughs> we talked about rehearsal for murder. That was something I'd never heard of. So it wasn't the, 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 the common shows that everybody does. Right. I mean, there was a lot of shows that we had never heard of. I mean, of course you have you're, the musicals are, you know, Oklahoma and those which are more the, um, Oh, what's the, what's the word for the standards yeah some of the classics yeah the classics um but uh you know so a lot of those other shows i mean lion the witch in the wardrobe i mean that was something that uh, it was books but you know who was doing plays of that right so it was really right. cool it was yeah, a little I mean, edgy you you have to do you had to when you make some of those selections obviously uh to some degree talent became um one of the things that dictated what what you would end mm-hmm. up choosing, but you also had the luxury of having so much talent there that we could consider things that a lot of other people, sometimes we bid off things that was a great challenge. It may not have been the best production, but it was a, it was great for everyone involved because it helped us go to a next level that, you know, but, but yeah, what's an example of that? No, oh, I'm you, not going to do that. Yeah. We, we had a couple of shows that I was really proud that we did, but if you went back and looked at it, you'd go, man, I don't know. We probably shouldn't have done that yeah. one. You know, sometimes, sometimes you have to stretch. <laughs> oh yeah. No question. Yeah. And we did, you know, but, um, it, anyway, but you just like but, straight, you were like pulling a Jean-Claude Van Damme just <laughs> stretching. <laughs> so, growing. But we did, you know, so yeah, we did some of those classics. You got to do that to keep people coming back, yeah. right? But then, uh, you know, then all of a sudden you throw in a show like Little Mary Sunshine or you throw in a show like Little Abner or something, you know, musicals, far from classics, but great, you know, and they were great for us mm-hmm. because it allowed us to showcase talent. So Yeah, somehow on the back of my head, did, fun did, stuff. Flowers for Algernon? Was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Matt. Uh, what year was that? Matt. Uh, Matt Pickering. Pickering. Oh, that was. Oh, so that was yeah. ninety four. I was. I came in on leave from the Navy, 
that's right. That's why I didn't have a, a broad, you know, like a concrete record recollection mm-hmm. of that. But okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was Charlie, I believe. Yeah, in that show. Okay, so I did. I came in and I saw that, but uh, wasn't a part because I was gone by then. But yeah, Matt was one of my close friends in high school, and mm-hmm. he since nobody knows he's disappeared. Yeah. Nobody knows where he is. Well, maybe he'll hear this and contact yeah, us. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> would love that. Hopefully would he's doing that. well. Yeah. But he was kind of, uh, you know, his his dad, I rode bicycles with his dad um, for a number of years before he passed, and uh, like MS-150, things like that. Mm-hmm. And he had mentioned, like, I guess on, on Matt's uh, mother's side, you know, some of his uncles were wanderers. And I guess Matt picked that up, and he just kind of just was out yeah. there wandering somewhere hopefully he's you know alive and well but yeah, his, right. at that point his dad hadn't even heard from him mm. so yeah i don't i don't know well yeah man, great if you're listening, get a hold of get a hold of people great they want to know man i mean it's yeah looking back and talented some, oh yeah some of these videos and looking back at it's a time machine yeah it's well I'm, cool. I'm looking forward it's to cool. you know somewhere in here you'll have to tell people how to stay tuned to figure out where to see those absolutely talking about posting those yeah i'm figuring out whether it's gonna be vimeo or youtube uh i may with vimeo you can start there and then go to other outlets so i may use that as the hub i'm just figuring out how the most people can uh can take a look at them and you know what's the easiest and and selfishly you know hey man it's all about the views so if, if i can use you know, it's been about, I think, seven weeks that I've been almost constant just digitizing these videos. It's about, I've been on a mission. It's well, you're going to cool. use, a, you know, give somebody an opportunity to, of how to stay uh, in contact with you to follow that. So when it happens, they, they can go, oh, here it is. I got the link finally and, and get that, you know. Yeah, do, absolutely. Do that somewhere in here. Yeah, Maybe. yeah. Let's do it now. I mean, while we're at it. And, and yeah. in my intro, with Ken Calcaderic, eh, I can't even say my name. What the <laughs> hell? And hey, warts and all. That's my thing with the podcast. So I won't edit out the goofiness. And you had a you had a good laugh. But uh, yeah, KenCalcaterra.com. I try to use as a hub for all my other social media and things like that. But uh, yep. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, good I just spot. I just subscribed this past couple of days or something you sent me, so I'm yeah, be able nice. to. Thank you. Because you know, like I said, I'm I'm pretty new to this whole social yeah. media thing, so I'm figuring it out as well. But and it changes so much. So. I'm constantly figuring out how to use the algorithms to get the, you know you want to get the most audience for what you do. You want to reach out to the most people for different messages. Sometimes it's good just to stay the hell off of it. It's just a little intense. But uh, it's yeah. overall a great tool. I mean, I've I've had some jobs come from it, and uh, yeah, you know the work I do. People have discovered this podcast and have, you know and met different people. You know, it's a good networking, good uh, matchmaking type situation. But yeah. uh, overall, it's been good. <laughs> well, so turn it around a little bit. Yeah. Tell me everything that you've been doing since the high school theater days, and and how your story ends up here. Yeah, yeah, and and you have a lot to do with that, not just the high school, but I went into the Navy afterwards and I knew Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something artistic and I thought it was acting. It was funny. And, and so I'm, uh, you know, I love to read. So I guess I'm a voracious reader trying to throw out the smart words here, but, um, so I was reading everything. So I was in the Navy and when we came back into port, I'm going to the bookstore and picking up these books on film and figuring it out. And one thing I, I don't know if it's a book on acting or something along the lines of careers. And like the first thing in there, it was like, why do you want to do this? And I had no answer. And I, I love theater and all that, but I was, I, I had no answer at that point. 
And so it's like, oh my God, everything I've been thinking of, what am I doing? And then I realized it was like, oh, wait a second. I guess the directing, the creative side, the, you know, creating these worlds, telling these stories. So I realized as I'm reading these books, okay, wait, I think that's what I really wanted. And the, the theater at the time was an outlet for that because we didn't have the access to technology in those days. Mm-hmm. And, and the theater was amazing. So I loved it. And I'm glad that we didn't have that technology. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have had discovered that side and have done did so much with the theater. So um, at one point, you know, I was thinking about where to go to school, and uh, you know, some friends had mentioned NYU and, and some of the other big universities. And um, you know, I knew you know family's so important to me that I knew, yeah, I think I want to get back home. I, I was really missing a lot. And uh, and at one point, my parents said, "Oh, we ran into Mr. Barry," and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that back out at you. But uh, and they say he mentioned Webster. So I came back at one point uh, from leave and checked out, um, checked it out. It's like, okay, this looks fine. And I had, at that point, I had no vision for, you know, I wasn't looking at the big picture, so to say, at that point. And I think that was good for me to go to a smaller school, as we talked about a little earlier off off mic. Uh, their program was, at that point, starting to grow, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, as the theater program at Central was growing. So, uh, you know, I was in on that somewhat at the ground floor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was good for me. I met a lot of great people, was able to um, just create a lot of different projects. And I think had I went to an NYU, and I saw this, you know, after I finished Webster, and I was working as a tech on different projects, so, you know, I'd grip, audio, just do these different things to make money. And I worked with some NYU students, I'm thinking, like, these guys have no clue how... You know, they had all the theory, but not so much the production. So I was like more the blue collar type guy. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, that was fitting. And so all those different productions, and I was like super self-conscious. Like, it's like, wow, this doesn't feel right. Am I good at this? And then I'd see the end result. Okay, that's that's pretty cool. And then I would go into the next one. All right. And then I'd be like, man, this doesn't seem, I don't think I'm that good at this. And I'd do another one. And then at one point it, it just clicked. I was like... I'm pretty damn good at this. And then, you know, then I graduated and I knew that that third phase. So the first phase for me was at that point was the Navy. And so I did well there. College did really well there. And the third phase, I had no idea how there's so many different ways to do it. And, and at that point I didn't, nobody said, okay, internship. So you should do this. You should go, what, what television show do you like? Go be a PA, do this, be an assistant. I knew none of that. I thought, Hey, I did well, you know, pretty well in the high school theater. I did well in the Navy. I did well in, in college. Okay, I can figure this out and do well. And I have, but it's just like, oh, wait a second. I should have, you know, you have to go learn from right. the masters. I'm yeah. thinking like, let me write this script. Let me do all that. And, you know, it's difficult yeah. being entrepreneurial and in the entertainment industry. Yeah, and you're responsible for every step of that along the way uh, on your own, you know, so the motivation to get up and get at it because it's easy to roll over. But you got to get up and get at it, and so yeah, to, to had, hear you're doing had that, some and doing of those it points, well. yeah, where you're like, oh, you know what this is, or they dealing with some anxiety, and you're just like, but then you get up, you get up and do it again, right? It's like I had one one of my college projects, which you, all this I'm gonna start putting out there, because back then we didn't have the YouTube or all those other things, so it was like videotapes and then DVDs, and so you're like, if people saw your work, maybe you get in a festival or you're passing DVDs and tapes around. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's just like everywhere, so somebody can get discovered. 
And a lot of people that are getting discovered, sometimes you're like, oh my God, I wish that person would have not, <laughs> not been. What, what do they have like to who? say? Like who, 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 who are you talking about? I think, man, a lot of the YouTubers, <laughs> man, it's just like with, with great art, I think you have that substance and it's reflecting what's going on in the world or right. something about humanity, you know, flowers for Algernon. I mean, looking at that, that's, I mean, something that just really captures a different side of humanity. And we look at now, we see a lot of autistic people at the spectrum. I mean, that's a term that mm -hmm. back then, you know, wasn't around. Right. And so, you know, I didn't have an understanding of that. But through art, you know, I had that understanding. Yeah. And so, you know, it's important versus just, you know, and I'm all for, you know, video games are cool and all that. But uh, I just don't, like with my niece and nephew, it's like, guys, you don't need to spend 10 hours a day watching somebody play a video game. Yeah, you know, check it out for a half an hour, but then you know, here there's some movies, a theater. Right. There's, you know, read. There's so much we can learn about ourselves and others by you know, it's novels and the autobiographies and biographies and all that. So it's, you know, I was blessed to th really through the theater group to discover a lot of that, and that really transformed who I am now. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. A lot of great people. I mean, we look at um, also. Yeah, I want to talk about some more names. Um, we look at people in our theater group that um, have are doing great things, like Corey Stoltz. Um, he wrote this uh, wonderful book, um, and now I'm going to like completely blank on the uh, the theater group in New York. That oh my god, I'm like killing myself here. I'm going to edit this one out. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, what was the name of? I mean, these guys are all known. It's like Thomas Lennon who did. Um, was oh man I I'm like <laughs> completely blowing this yeah. oh man I'm gonna have to, right, I gotta I gotta do some research yeah but you know like you bring up Corey Stoltz Corey Stoltz you know happened to be one of the comments on a thread of the the Hawks Nest yeah yeah thing that was on there and all of a sudden I'm able to say hey Corey you know it's been 25 yeah. years yeah. I hope you're well and you know, he's able just to shoot back you know so. For all the uh, negatives that that social media has, there's also those positives because oh, it has really been um, enriching and fulfilling for me just to to be able to hear the stories of of past people, whether it's performance related or not, just to see how people are are doing and absolutely the state, it, you know, the state, the state. Yeah, see, you know, when you don't have uh, like Joe Rogan has his researchers when he doesn't have something, he says, hey. <laughs> and they look it up right away. And I'm just like, I'm trying to remember all this. And like, ah, oh, I'm bombing. Nope. But no, Corey, the book was amazing. I could not put it down. And I wasn't a, a state fan back in. That was, I think they they came out probably when I was in the Navy. So a lot of mm -hmm. times it was, um, there wasn't a lot of television. And it was like, when we're out to sea. We had movies yeah. and things. And the Armed Forces Radio, we had a little television station. And and they'd play a lot of movies. I was a DJ at the, our little radio station on the aircraft carrier, so that was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah. coming at you live. Yeah, I, I was I was not that good. <laughs> you know, so that was one of those things you just jump in and learn. And, you know, I was kind of, yeah. and then I, I would work nights and like 14-hour days and have to go to my shift. So sometimes I'd go and just put in a CD and go to sleep. And, yeah, that was, I, that was I think, the one job or maybe the two jobs in my life that I was fired from but then kind of got back. <laughs> right right <laughs> what a, well um you know you talked about uh 
Corey and somebody I'll bring up that I reconnected with was, and you mentioned him earlier, Tom Quinnis. And Tom is at Duke University. Oh, he's at Duke? He's at Duke oh, University. Fantastic. Um, and he's uh, one of the theater personnel there. That's fantastic. Wow. And, and so he's he, he had just, I think, in this last year had moved there and started to transition into that position from a different theater. Um, but, yeah, he's... That's huge. Yeah, yeah he's pursued he, it and moved on, and and so he that's where he's landed. Yeah, because he was, um, when I was a freshman, he was your TA. And then I was like, when I was a senior, I was like, eh, you know what, that'd be fun, so that I did that. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... Oh, man. Yeah, that was a good time. Um, yeah, who else? Um, I mean, I know Rachel Adams is out in Los Angeles. She is. I think she had a, a stint as a stunt woman. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, for quite a while. And, and I know she did that. Craig Taggart is in California and yep. he's doing all performance stuff. Um, for a while there, and I don't know if this is accurate or not, but Ian Unterreiner, he, I don't remember. His name Ian. was going through my head. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was involved somehow, um, in like uh, DreamWorks maybe oh, really? or something, something in one of those, um, companies what's the other one besides dreamworks that's that's big uh oh source animation or yeah a uh, pixar pixar yeah one of one of those two interesting yeah and and again that that's me before social media trying to keep up with people that yeah. had gone every which direction you know yeah you have people pop in every now and then for a visit you're like whoa yeah. what's up um so becky young if you remember, oh, yeah, yeah. Greg Young was involved in our theater mm-hmm. program. Yeah, he was a senior when I was a freshman as And well. then Becky came in, and I think Becky went to New York for a little while. She's actually back in theater education at Marquette High School, I believe, as the uh, theater Yeah, I, just saw, I saw something about that, yeah. And, and her husband writes uh, New York Times crossword puzzles. Really? <laughs> yeah. Outstanding. Uh, let's see. Uh, Paul Bailey, I'd heard, had gone to Chicago and pursued dance for a oh, while nice. there. Um, now he's married um, with his partner, and I think they're still living in the Chicago okay. area. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, Corey is in. Uh, he was in San Francisco for a number of years. Now he's in New Hampshire. Okay. Yeah, his partner had, um, I guess, some family uh, that he discovered. And so then they moved up there. Oh, very good. Uh, so yeah, he was, you know, he's been a guest on the podcast. And now, now that cool. I know it was a state and I yeah. had to look it up, but <laughs> I mean, it was so cool. That experience that he had uh, just following them, he was a big fan and just the access he had. I mean, it's such a cool book. So yeah, when you find some time, check it out. Yeah. It's an interview style book. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, one friend of mine from junior high who wasn't, um, he, I don't think he was involved in the theater at all. Um, Todd Zaniga, Adrian Todd Zaniga. I don't know if you you know him, um, but yeah, he's he's writing screenplays now, and he has a a novel he released a few years ago, and now he's um, working on other books, and yeah, he's just doing great. So yeah, it's nice nice to see people from North County do well. Yeah, yeah, and it's in you know I know I keep going back to it. it's just so great to catch up, you know, because I feel like I I dealt with some folks for you know, three to four years, yeah. kept up with him for a few years after that. And then life just comes in and takes you different directions. And there's no real avenue to, 
you know, you're you're off in the Navy. Yeah. It's n- not like we get to communicate every day. And then all of a sudden, our paths cross here and there. And then before you know it, here we are in the lair. Yeah, absolutely. Having a chat. And that's a cool thing. And I know there's a few years where we've had different gatherings. You know, we mm-hmm. do some things of it, Ruiz. Yeah. And like a few years in a row. And uh, that's something I may have to spearhead and start that up again. Because, and depending on people's schedules, you get a different mix every year. Right. And I'm getting to, and it's weird, I, I'm getting to that point in life where it, some of my worlds are starting to, well, one, you, you, you know, merge physically, but in my brain, it's just like, oh, I'm thinking like, is that somebody I went to college with or high school? And it's like, and like some images of people are like right. blurring with others. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I understand that obviously. And as I relate it to, um, Hazelwood central and or theater, um, so many of those shows run. To, so were you during that group of yeah, shows yeah. or this group of shows? And of course they overlap and all of those kind of things. But, but, I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it's just weird. So. We just, in life, we have these things. But but then the cool thing is when we zero in on that show or like when I zero in on a project. And, and some of my projects I've forgotten about. So going through these tapes, it's like, oh, that person worked on this. Oh, this person. Or somebody in college that I had met that worked on some of my projects uh, knew you from Central, but from that different era. Yeah. And so it's like, it was a blur. Like, did I know that person for, Oh no, they're five years behind me. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, looking back at the shows, I know one thing, uh, one of the shows that was near and dear to me that I really enjoyed was rehearsal for murder. Cause that was I, my, my first role. You know, I think it was my first role on stage. <laughs> like that was a, a, a fun role that wasn't like being in a choir or no, I, I had one in, in grade school where I had a, a song and, and it's funny how, <laughs> I think that was like second or third grade. And you, can you still sing it? For I, I, I still have that song in my Let's head. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. Hold on. You're putting me on the spot here. Let me see. So it was, <laughs> I was like this little thug and uh, the street gang. I don't know what the, the show is, but my, my song was gather around me, my children for lesson number one. <laughs> Cause it's the ripoff season and my dear, it's just begun. And then like, then there's some other parts which are still in my head. But, nice. Uh, yeah. So it's like, it's amazing how those formative years, the things that, you know, we still remember. Oh yeah. And like, I can't sometimes can't get starting to not remember some things I did last week. This wasn't <laughs> important, but rehearsal for murder, that Mr. Santoro role. And I meant to, uh, I think I had the script somewhere and I didn't, uh, I was going to find that and bring it, but I completely, I say I dropped the ball on that one, yeah. but, uh, what a fun role that was. Yeah, just, well, that role, I don't think that role, uh, as it was performed was in there. So we actually broke some copyright license laws there <laughs> by, uh, embellishing and adding in. We, we talked about that just as we were on the phone and yeah. catching up, but adding in Sean Shelton and Joe Arechidera yeah. and and doing kind of a, a visual visible stick and then adding in some lines and prolonging it and it's still one of the most memorable scenes that i still laugh at today so funny what's good because i have the video of it so that's... All right. <laughs> i'll look forward to that yeah, one yeah. for sure yeah that was uh, that was yeah such a fun show and I didn't realize that was a thing that when you license those that you can't make any adjustments or anything. Or yeah, you're not supposed to. But honestly, uh, there were bits and pieces where we did it often. I mean, huh. we never we never obviously adjusted 
um, enough of the storyline or tweak it so much yeah. that it took on a completely different. Yeah, I get that. You know, yeah, that you but we definitely took a little bit of artistic nice. license, and um, you know. Yeah, what's what's a statute of limitations? On uh, that? I don't know. I'm put this video out, and you're gonna get. Yeah, well, you better check on the videos because I don't think you're supposed to video Uh-oh. these performances. Oh, all right. Well, you know what? Then we'll we'll keep that. Will be an unlisted video where we'll it'll be like the old passing the tape around. We'll just pass that link, and then uh, you know, then nobody's gonna know, know what's got happening. It. Yeah, yeah, where it came from. I don't know where it came from. That's for sure. Interesting. So yeah, that show was. I think that was the winter show. That was a winter that show. That was a winter show. Um, you know, my parents would always come back to see the musicals if they were available for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, my whole family would come in. My brother, who was in the Kansas City or Springfield area, and my sister, who was in the Columbia area, and my family would all come in for musicals. And it was just an opportunity for us to all get together. And often they might come in for other shows, but they. Uh, they always laughed there for the first few years. Every show had something to do with a murder mm-hmm. and every show contained a lot of dry ice. <laughs> there was always a lot of dry ice floating across the, the stage, you know, so you work with what you got. That concludes part one of Steve Barry's conversation on conversations with Calcaterra. Join us for part two, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thanks everyone. Much love to you. Oh!